0: Here we go. Sing praise to God who reigns above, the God of all creation. The God of power, the God of love, the God of our salvation. He fills my soul with sweet relief and makes my faithless murmur
1: Good morning and welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service we gather together every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m and usually it's online and in person well this Sunday it's just online because of the weather so we're glad that we can stay safe and stay warm and at home and the roads you know they're sketchy we're just easy to say hey we're just going to call it good so Normally, we're in person, we have kids' church, we worship together through song and prayer and giving, and then we study the Bible together, and then we gather throughout the week in small groups. We have a youth group that meets Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Well, this Sunday, we're all online. We want to say we're glad that we can all be here. We're glad this option exists. We're still going to study the Bible together. We're still gathered together. We have our giving tab over at faithonhill.com, and we'll still be in the small groups throughout the week. So... We're going to finish up the first chapter of the book of Joshua, chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, open to Joshua, chapter 1. Well, Joshua, chapter 1, verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I want you and all of these people to get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them to the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, and no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful whatever you do. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. All right, so God is speaking to Joshua. And first he says, hey, Moses is dead. I'm going to use you now. It's your time, Joshua. Your time, and I have a plan. But you need to be strong and courageous. He says this multiple times. Can I tell you, last week we talked a lot about how we interpret the Bible, how we read the Bible, how we engage with the Bible. Something that is key and crucial when you're reading the Bible is if you see something repeated over and over again, you might just want to pay attention. If a word or a phrase is repeated over and over again, it might just be significant. The phrase, be strong and courageous, is repeated over and over again in chapter 1. We're going to see it again as we read more of the chapter. Why is that? Maybe it's because Joshua was not strong and courageous. The Bible says that the God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. What that means is this, that God takes people who you would think are unusable and uses them for his purpose and his great glory. Because human beings have a tendency to want to take credit, either for themselves or to take credit away from God and place it on to people who don't deserve it. God does something spectacular, miraculous, amazing. And we say, oh, it's not it so cool how that person did that thing. And if the person was honest, they would say nothing would have happened had it not been for God working through me. Just recently I heard news that somebody that I really appreciated in my own life, especially in my, my younger years, formative years as a teen and, and early 20-year-old, had passed away, an older brother. He had passed away. But something that I always stuck with me was he would talk about when he was writing his thesis, his his big dissertation paper for his PhD. He was getting his PhD, his doctorate in physics from UCLA. And he was working over a problem and working through this idea and he couldn't decipher it. He couldn't come to it. And then one day he was just sitting there at his desk and it came to him like a flash. And he He said, oh, and he wrote it. He finished his dissertation. He brought it to be defended. And the the dissertation board were were floored. This was groundbreaking work. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it was because I don't understand physics or astrophysics or anything like that. But it was groundbreaking work. And he was awarded his PhD with distinction. UCLA had never done that before. And in the beginning of his dissertation work, He said, I can take no credit for this. This was given by the inspiration of God. I I fully give credit to God. I was working through a problem. I was stumped. I prayed. I asked God to help reveal the answer. And then just sitting there at my desk, boom, light bulb clicked. And I could sit there and say how smart I am, but it was God. Now, obviously, I'm you know, saying it in my preacher way of talking as opposed to how a science person would talk. But you understand the idea. You could say, look at his brilliance, look at his genius. And he was a genius, brilliant man. One of the smartest people I've ever met. And one of the oddest moments I've ever had was, was I was in a swimming pool at a hotel in Whistler, Canada with him and we were talking about airplane design and like big picture ideas of philosophy of air design, Boeing versus Airbus versus you know this or that. Just a weird moment, right, in my life. Genius level person. And yet he would not take credit for this breakthrough idea that he had. He said, it's from God. I've seen this in situations where you just go, wow, why did God work through that person or that group or who and it's because if he worked through somebody smarter or better or more talented, then they'd take all the credit. In, in another part of the Bible, there's you know, the story of Gideon's actually pretty well known. He had like, you know, a bunch of dudes with him and God kept paring it down and paring it down until he only had 300 people left in his army. And the reason, and God's like, Gideon's like, God, I had all these people and you sent them all away and now I've just got 300 people. And God's like, if it was more than that, then the people of Israel would take credit. And the people of Israel would say, it was our strength that won the battle. But I want to show that it was me, the Lord, who was doing the work. So here he is. He raises up Joshua, who maybe isn't strong or courageous, but he wants to use somebody who isn't those things to show that God is doing the work. It's also possible that Joshua has some courage. It has some strength. But what's coming ahead is like nothing he has ever experienced. He's also always been the assistant. He's been the number two guy. Moses was the leader. Moses was the guy there. And now Moses is gone and it's on Joshua's shoulders. And it could be just normal life where God is saying to Joshua, this is something new. Get ready. We aren't told. Now, as we talked about last week, God gave Joshua a clear, defined, geographic boundary. And as we are going to see, going through the book of Joshua and then next the book of Judges, the people of Israel do not fulfill this boundary. From the desert to Lebanon, from the Euphrates to the sea, never happens once in the history of the people of Israel. There is An argument that during the reigns of David and Solomon, the sphere of influence, let's say, of Israel extended that far. There's an argument that because of proxy or smaller nations that were sort of like subservient to uh, Israel the way that say like um, Jamaica or, um, you know, Canada is is kind of the junior partner in North America relative to the United States. There's an argument that says uh, in the time of David and Solomon that this was fulfilled. That could be, I, I tend not to go with that. It's actually a really controversial idea, this This idea that's called greater Israel, this boundary that God gives Joshua that they never actually achieve. It's a really controversial idea uh, because people in our day try to argue that Israel should push to expand their boundaries to those boundaries. And um, I'm not going to get into that. I personally, this is my personal opinion, I think that God is talking about two different things. And what's interesting is that would be totally on brand. That would be totally normal for how God speaks to people, especially in the Old Testament. He's talking about this wider, bigger boundary. Remember we studied the book of the Revelation. There it talks about a thousand year rule and reign of Jesus. Jesus rules and reigns the world, reigning from the city of Jerusalem. In the back half, the last several chapters of the writings of the prophet Ezekiel, it talks about this as well. This kingdom ruled by Jesus. It's possible that what God is talking about there in those larger geographic boundaries is what Israel will be in the future when Jesus is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Because what's interesting to me is that geographically, God's saying, you're going to go into the promised land. You're not there yet. You have to cross the Jordan to get there. You have to go over the river. You have to go through this barrier, this boundary, to enter the land that I have promised you. But if you follow these geographic markers that God's already given, they're already there. Wait a minute. Aren't we already here? Aren't we there? No, there's something we have to do. There's somewhere we have to go. When... We become Christians. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we're we're in. We're saved. Our sins have been forgiven. They've been removed. They've been wiped away. If you were to die right then and there, you would enter into the rest that God has made available because of Jesus. We would be citizens, and we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And yet there's more. Joshua has been doing good work for decades. If you go back into Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, and there's these 12 spies that were sent in to spy out the land. We talked a little bit about them last week. One of them was Joshua. Joshua as a young, young man, he was sent in to spy out the promised land. And he, was, he and this guy, Caleb, were the only two who'd come back to say, hey, this is awesome. God's brought us to a great place and he's going to give us this land and we just got to go take it. And everybody else said, nope, they're too strong. They're too powerful. We cannot take it. And the children of Israel, rebelled against God's commands, and they would not enter the promised land. And here's Joshua, who had the bravery and the courage, not just to give a good report, but to stand up against the crowd. So he had some bravery, he had some strength to him, but there was something deeper and greater that God had for him. There's two big words. I've said this repeatedly and over and over again. It's two big words that every Christian should know. Justification, And sanctification, justification is being made right before God. When we become Christians, when we get saved, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we are justified, we are made right before God because of what Jesus did on the cross and our faith in that work. The other big word, sanctification, is the process of being set apart sanctified, made holy, made more like Jesus, full of the love of God, the power of God, the righteousness of God. There's something deeper, grander that is yet to happen. Joshua is somebody who had a track record of having some strength, of having some courage, and now God is saying, be strong and courageous. They're in that greater promised land that God has talked about, and yet God is saying, go over the Jordan River, go into the place I've promised. Let me suggest to you that there is somewhere deeper and grander and better that God has for his people. And it's never done until we get to heaven. We spoke last week about how, at different times and different places, there were things in the Bible or the Christian faith that were easier for this group or this person to accept or believe. And for our generation, there are things that are easy for us to accept and embrace about the Bible or about the Christian faith that were harder for a previous generation. But there are things that, for our generation, is hard for us to accept, it's hard for us to wrestle with, and it was easier. For a previous generation. There's always somewhere deeper, better, more full, more powerful, more more life-changing, more life-giving. There's always that deeper place to go in our knowledge and relationship and awareness of God's work in our life. And so God's speaking to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Take the people and go into this promised land that I have for you. Go to the next level. Go to the deeper place. Spiritually, in, in our health, in our relationships. It's all holistic. There are people who have wonderful, healthy relationships and are spiritually bankrupt. There are people who have deep spirituality, but no one to share it with, because they, they, they don't know how to have relationships in a healthy, life-giving way. All of us have somewhere where we can go that is deeper, more profound, more life-giving, more life-changing. The sanctifying work of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. Right now, God wants to sanctify Joshua and the people and take them into a deeper place, a land of promise. And that land of promise is not heaven the land of promise is as we go deeper we go deeper in our relationship with jesus in the work of god the holy spirit in our lives in our knowledge of the father and his great love for us so joshua takes what god has spoken to him and he speaks to the people verse 10 joshua said to the officers of the people go out throughout the camp and tell the people get your provisions ready Three days from now you will cross the Jordan from here and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God will give you this land. Your wives and your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave to you east of the Jordan, but your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites." you are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they have taken possession of the land the Lord your God has given them. And after that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. Now, this is some backstory, because previous to this, they get to the promised land, and these two tribes and this one half tribe because uh, there was two half tribes that were the sons of Joseph and they were split into two half tribes and and these group of people had gotten to the river jordan they looked around east of the jordan they said this is pretty nice we're good here can we just stay here and so moses said fine you stay there they didn't want to enter in and there has been a lot of Hay, a lot of a, a lot of time made. You know, there's this old saying. You know, people make hay of something. There's been a lot of of uh, effort given into using this as a preaching point. These three tribes would not enter into the promised land. They were good staying where they were. And historically, these were the first three tribes of Israel to fall under the domination of idol worship, and they were the first three tribes of Israel to fall under the oppression of invasion. When the Assyrian Empire invaded from the north and the east far later in Israel's history. Now, that is true, and yet I'm not sure that I would make that connection necessarily. Um, You could argue that they were still in this geographic area that God gave them, uh, that they sent their fighting man to fulfill all of their commitments and obligations. Okay. I would say this. There are definitely people who seem to have faith and yet seem to never grow in that faith. Are they saved? Are they not? I don't know. I do know that I would rather be as close as possible. And if there's a river dividing me and others, then I know that I'm always going to have that It's going to be farther away from help. It's going to be farther away from connection. There are people who are absolutely Christians, but totally disconnected from anyone else in the family of faith. There's a river in between us and them, and we'd love to have more connection with them, but there's just no connection. It's hard to get help to them, you know? Uh, And and so I, I want to be careful, like we talked about last week, about making too much allegory or a you know, kind of an applicational uh, turn to this. But I want to also recognize you know what? It's true. Historically, these guys were the first to fall. They were the ones open to oppression and assault because they were out there on the other side of the river, away from a natural defense and natural boundary. But either way, verse 16, they answered Joshua. They answered. So God has spoken to Joshua. Joshua is speaking to the people, and now they are speaking back to Joshua. Whatever you command, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you command them, they will be put to death only. Be strong and courageous. So, these Tribes are speaking back to Joshua. Hey, we're with you. We will obey you. We're sending our guys. We're not going to bail out. We're going to be good. Um, We're going to keep your commands. Only we want to make sure God is with you. Meaning, hey, we're not going to fight this. It seems like God is raising you up to be the new leader. But if God's not with you, you know, hey, sorry man, we might not be there. And and then he says, but then they say, hey, only Joshua, be strong and courageous. It's interesting that they are speaking to Joshua the same things that God had been speaking to Joshua. People look for, how can God speak to my life? And I have found that God speaks in many ways. God was speaking to Joshua, Joshua was speaking to the people, the people were speaking to Joshua. God speaks in many ways. Elsewhere in the scripture, it says that through the counsel of many, a thing can be determined. Meaning, hey, you know, either you could go along just doing your own thing, doing whatever seems good to you, or you can find good, sound, godly people to be part of your world, part of your conversation, who speak into your life just as you might speak into theirs, and we come together. You could say, you could argue, that the first part is like the Holy Spirit speaking. And there are times where God speaks directly. This has happened. It's happened in people's lives all through the centuries. I mentioned earlier about uh, this guy I knew who was trying to figure out a problem for his doctoral thesis and and he's praying about it and and he's doing all the science and the research. He can't figure it out. And then, boom, it's like God spoke to him and he had the answer. I've seen that kind of stuff happen. I've had weird things where, you know, praying about something and then it just kind of like, oh man, like the Lord just lets you know. Uh, somebody asked me a question this week and I, I had to think back because it was many years ago, but I remembered, oh, that's right. Yeah, I prayed about that. And, and it was just clear from the Lord I was not supposed to do that thing or I was supposed to do that thing. Uh, God speaks. There, there, there is a, a unique work of the Holy Spirit that Christians have experienced all throughout the centuries. And you might say, well, I've never experienced that. And I would just say this, Maybe you have, and you haven't realized it. Maybe God has been speaking, and you thought it was something else. Maybe you haven't been asking. You know, be around a while. It's it's amazing what happens. I've been a Christian a long time. God has absolutely, miraculously, uniquely spoken into my life over the years. But it doesn't happen all the time. It's not like it's just like a daily occurrence. It happens, happens here, doesn't happen there. God speaks in many ways because God is speaking to the people of Israel through Joshua. God uses people. God sometimes speaks miraculously, directly. God speaks through people. God uses people to preach, to proclaim, to teach, to challenge. But then the people speak back. One of the things that I've found in my life, there have been times where I've been listening to a podcast or a preacher in person, or I've been reading a sermon or reading a blog or reading a commentary, and God uses a person to speak to me. Or other times, God has used people to speak into my life. And you know what? Hey, I'm hearing the same thing. Be str- you know, it's like Joshua. The Lord says, be strong and courageous. The people say, be strong and courageous. You know, you're walking down the street, you're reading something. Oh, hey, be strong and courageous. Like maybe something's going over and over and over and over again. Take note, take heed, be aware. If you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again, it might be God speaking to you. Only be strong and courageous. God was speaking miraculously to Joshua. The people were speaking it, but it was all the word of God. So you might say, oh, I don't know if God's ever spoken to me not realizing that there might be a person in your world that God put in place to speak directly to you prophetically. And you say, oh, I don't, did that happen? Was that, that was God speaking to me? I thought that was just my neighbor. I thought that was just my spouse. I thought that was just my kid. I thought that was just my my uncle, whoever. And God puts people in our paths to speak into our lives. In Joshua's case, it was only be strong and courageous. For the people, it was Joshua reminding them, hey, here's your responsibilities, here's your obligations. Make sure that you do the things that you promised the others and you promised God. God speaks these things into our lives, speaks these things through the Bible, speaks these things through people, speaks these things through prayer, speaks these things through worship and song, speaks these things through the direct work of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. God speaks in multiple and diverse ways. Just as right here, he has been speaking to and through Joshua in multiple and diverse ways. And so next week, they begin the process of going into the promised land. And we'll continue that next week as we look at Joshua chapter 2. Can't wait to see you next Sunday. God bless you. We'll see you in the small groups this week and next Sunday morning as we gather together.
0: God.